You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. In, uh, in Das Tvunas, he's, he's presenting this idea of Hester Panim. And Hester Panim is, is fundamentally different than, than uh, what happens when you have a Hashgacha, when you have a, when you have a Hanhaga of Sharinayanesh. Okay, so it's it's never it's never satisfying or gratifying to suffer. But with within a hanhaga of scharvoinish, you know, you can you can understand why it's happening to you. You can understand what you're supposed to get out of this, and you can use it to continue and improve yourself if you if you know to accept the punishments, uh, you know, with their with their true intention and meaning, you know. And Am Yisrael in general is supposed to be able, you know, while we're living in Eretz Yisrael, let's say, and, and, uh, and things are happening to us, we're supposed to be able to say, okay, you know, ah, no rain this year. Well, must be because of, you know, let's say this Isur or Avoidazar or, or, or whatever. And you would have a Navi that would come and tell you what the, um, you know, what the problem is and, and how to, and how to fix it. And, Sometimes people had more or less, uh, you know, desire to listen to Nevi'im, but whatever is going on, whether it's painful or happy, it it's meaningful, and you kind of you kind of know what to do with it. So, as um, who was it? Um, yeah, name slipped my mind. It's the it's. It's the it's the man that uh, came up with logotherapy, the person that went through uh, went through the concentration camp. Victor Victor okay. Frankel. Victor Victor Frankel, you know. So so Victor Frankel said that if you if you know why you can suffer through just about any what, if you really if you really know where this is going and you know where you know where it's heading, and Hester Ponim is a situation where all of those certainties are deprived from you because things don't seem to make sense to you any longer. And the Ramchal, the Ramchal puts it by saying that, you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to, is going to create an absence of himself. And within that absence of himself, which is his Hester Panim, um, his hiding of the face, you know, the, the occlusion of the divine, right? There's going to be, place for evil to do its most extreme, you know, to express its most extreme potentialities. And it, in the function of this is not part of the Hanhag of Scharvainish. It is part of something which he calls Hanhaga Seyichud. Because at some point at the end of, at the end of history, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu draws back the curtain, and you realize that even all of this evil, as horrible and as as as, uh, as vile as it appeared to be, but it really doesn't have any actual existence. It's like a you know, it's like a dream that passes on, and from that you have an appreciation of the 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 totality of Hakadosh Baruch Hu's malchus, that his malchus is a, over everything and in control of everything, and and there is nothing that can possibly uh, possibly oppose him, right? And from this experience comes this, the knowledge of Hashem's achdus over creation 
and from that comes our essential access to to uh, to the joy and bliss of discovering the truth, which is the ultimate ultimate schar. Yeah. So, and that's the reason fine. why, of course, the uh, you know, the um, the are a sedim lios yemei simcha, and actually were yemei simcha during right. the beginning of Baish, as the right. as the Navi Zacharias says that they they were going they're going to be lasosa and clearly it sounds like for a, a distinct period maybe for quite a long period till the drumbeats of Horbin once again were heard there was this idea that these days which had been touchstones yeah. of Horbin were actually understood as yemei simcha um, right and, and that's ultimately what we expect we expect to happen I, I, and, and again just to get to you know we so were, the, the, you know the difference between yeah the difference between hearasponim you know or 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 gilui hapanim to hesterponim is that with when you have gilui panim it's not as if you don't suffer there is suffering but everything is is within some kind of um some kind of um context that Makes sense and allows you to accept it and grow from it. Hester Punim is is like being confronted with the absurdity of evil run amok, and realizing that even this is under Hashem's absolute control, right? And therefore, the 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 mitzvah, as it were, or the or the uh, the obligation to to see through Hester Punim is a very very important one. It, it is basically a preparation for for olam haba. It's a preparation for the gula, you know, for the gula hazida, for the you know, for the eventual redemption. And uh, and we so it's not we can't necessarily say that it's a punishment. You can you can say that it happens because things have gotten to a point where the regular where the regular structures of of reward and punishment, or schar and onesh, or or bracha and klala, you know. Blessing and curse, which which is all over the Torah, by the way, and the entire Torah consists of mitzvahs that are that are accompanied by blessings and curses, you know. But when when all that structure, you know, is no longer applicable to us, and and then we find ourselves in this world of of hesterponim, we have to know how to how to deal even even with this. So certainly the the like after after bias Shani for sure the Yemei Tzayim and, and Yemei Bein HaMetzorim are wrapped up with this descent into, into Hester Ponim. And I think you can see that in a lot of, in a, in a, in a lot of Chazals. Okay. That, um, you know, there's the famous one, Alma of the Haaretz, right? Dover Zesh Shalos HaChachamim, Shalos HaNavim, Ad you know, until, until HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself comes along and answers the question, you know, how, why is, you know why is Eretz Yisrael so completely desolated and 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 uh, and um, obliterated? Alma of the Haaretz, and then Hakadosh Baruch Hu comes along with an answer that really only Hakadosh Baruch Hu can tell you, right? Because it's I mean it's it's you know it's not the Gilei Raish Shvichas Daman Avoy Dezara, and it's not the, it's not even Sinas Chinam. It's 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 it's. Asher Ozvu Estoyrosi, which is Shelai Baruchu B'Tayretchila. Right. In other words, based on the words Ozvu Estoyrosi, meaning they sort of let Tayra happen without readying themselves and making the bracha on, on Tayra. Okay. Now, yeah. Now you have really only Hakadosh Baruch Hu could come up with an answer like this because, like, it's the, the whole the whole answer is so mysterious 
right? That that uh, there's all sorts of theories about about why for not making birchas satayra you're going to you're, you're going to have this complete destruction of Eretz Yisrael, which probably, by the way, historically refers to to um, um, the desolation of Yehuda after the Bar Kochba revolt. Mm-hmm. All right, so Yehuda, you know, Eretz Yehuda and Yerushalayim was was completely destroyed with of no longer you couldn't grow anything there anymore they 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 plowed the fields over with salt and you know so alma of the haaretz what 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 you know, what could what could we do that would have accounted for this you know and and akodesh baruch who says well you know you didn't make you, you didn't you didn't say birchasatayr i mean these were talmidic hacham right i mean so you expect either if they didn't say Maybe they had a good reason to. Maybe they had a. Maybe they had a heter. They had. They had some sort of machshav. I mean, you know, you don't stam. Talmidei chachamim do not stam carelessly uh, refrain from making birchas satayra. You know, maybe they thought that since they're learning all the time, they're not. Uh, you know, they they never. Uh, they're never masiach das. So I mean, up up till today, we don't know exactly how to how to how to factor that answer in. Which means to say that we're dealing with Hester Pundit. If you have an answer that doesn't answer anything, you know, it is okay, it is an, uh, okay, it's a, it's an inclusion of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. I see. Yeah. So you're actually, what you're saying is that when we have Maimari Chazal that seem to bite off more than they can chew and then end up giving these uh, answers which aren't the supremely cryptic answers. Purpose, that itself is a riot of the Torah of Hester Pundit. The Torah of Hester Pundit is it isn't these marvelous, wonderful, uplifting uh, statements that everybody can hop. These are these confusing statements that that nobody can hop. It makes you scratch. Except for it. except for Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So it's it's just, it's just it really is just another way of Hakadosh Baruch Hu hiding here. Saying, listen, this is you know this is my mind. You don't have access to my mind. But I'm telling you, it's about it's about Birchas What do I do with this? I mean, so from now on, I'm going to be mocked to do birchas satayra. That's great, but like, what about the next thing that that I don't know that I need to do? That the that the whole you know the the, the whole cosmos can be can be riding on it. Yeah. I, let me just let me just uh, before you, you know, build on this, I just want to add uh, one of my favorite uh, typical Satmer spins on things. You know, Satmer uh, was of course uh, the force against the Medina uh, at every right. step of the way. Whatever successes the Medina had, the Rebbe was there to figure out, figure out some way to uh, to claim that it is a Maisasatan or... or uh... so the way he understood Alma of the Oryx was, what happened that the country calls itself Israel? Why don't they call themselves Eretz Israel? Alma of the Oryx. <laughs> How is it that that the that, that it's now become by the by the secular Zionists and by so many people who join the secular Zionists and their government and believe in it, they say, Where do you live? I live in Israel, Anibi Israel, Anime Israel. What happened to Eretz Israel? And that's what he would say that Asher Ozvas Tayrosi. Because once you take Torah out of a of a body politic, out of a out of a society. So in Okinami, it's not Eretz Yisrael, just Israel. They don't realize what what the land, the kedusha, what the land is. Um, yeah. Therefore, he's, he felt that it was a line of, that you could tell, like a, a barometer. The people who say Yisrael, <laughs> they're the ones that are missing Torah. 
it's the Bnei Torah who are always would still say Eretz Yisrael. Okay, that doesn't really explain but on this, I think I yeah, well, it's, it, this is, it's not it's not really appropriate for the subject matter. But you know, one of the things that you say about the one of the things that you have to know about the Satmarevi, the Satmarevi had a delightful sense of humor. Yes. He was a very very funny guy, and probably one of the funniest things that I remember from him was that he 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 was he was against the idea of inviting people up to the chuppah for sheva brachas, and he said he said one of these days I mean I wish I could say it in Yiddish because it's much funnier in Yiddish you, you might be maybe you could, you know one of these days you're going to invite one rebbe up to say boo and another one up to say riach you know it's going to be. I hear. In other words, that's what it turns into the uh, the struggle to to take this cantaloupe and cut it in, in so many slices that everybody's going to get something of covet out of it. The other part that I, I yeah. remember was, you know, from the Maral, I think in in the Sefer Netzach Yisrael, which is to me one of the premier svarim dealing with this situation of Horbin and Hester Ponin. Um, and again, we, we could probably have another, you've been talking about the Ramchal this week and last week. I think it would be interesting to really, uh, you know, to contrast the the Maralian approach. And we talked about Rav Moshe Cordovaro, the one of the first conversations we ever had. I think the, you know, the Maral is someone who probably needs uh, his own Maybe his own podcast, but in some ways, uh, how the morale fits in into uh, the Kabbalistic structure. But I think the morale says, truly, Birchu Betaratzkilo is um, the idea that it, it was organic and natural and kept coming from them. The idea that you, you, a brocha, like for example, you know, a brocha is a formality. Um, you don't make a, like a, the brocha readies you, whereas, um, um, the Shalibirchu Batera, it was like, like sort of what you were saying before, that they felt they didn't have Hadas, but also part of it was the Bracha creates an artificiality. Um, and uh, like, I, I'm going to do this act of mitzvah. That's not me consistently, but my act of mitzvah demands me now to sort of shake myself out of what I'm doing and direct towards this mitzvah. Whereas they felt that they, it was just part of them consistently. Uh, you need a bracha for Taira. And there, that was, that was an assumption that, that pushed them too far. Um, that was an assumption that despite how much we live, sleep, eat and drink Torah, and it's always in our mind to continue without recognizing that it's from God, that recognizes it's like Vayechsu was Elohim Vayochu Vayishtu. So the bracha is the proper sort of yirug and rado that you need. Um, now, why should that be uh, part of the churban? I think that now, once again, it's there's an intoxication that I think can happen, especially when you become great in learning, like the like the door of 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 Vayisheni. I don't know if the of course. The Shopirch I think, is going on. Alma of the Oritz is going on by Rishon. I think there is some. Well, in the, in the original Postuk, it certainly is going on by Rishon. And in, and in the original Postuk, it's not, it's not really that much of a, that much of a question. 
you know, because the the pshat, the pshat is because then you know because they didn't listen to my mitzvahs because they worshipped the void desire because they didn't give a rise all the stuff for which bias reason was was right. destroyed. So that's Here, not really such a. Puzzle. But I'm saying it fits in the maraus word fits in good asher ozva esterasi, meaning it's sort it's sort of like we talk about the Torah of God versus our own Torah. What happens mm-hmm. is once it becomes, we feel so comfortable and it's so natural to us. It's the Torah Shalono. Well, Torah Shalono, you, you got to make Birchas HaTorah. You know what I'm saying? You know, Birchas HaTorah is sort of like a, a a distance marker. It's it's a formality that indicates that this is your big schoolist to be able to, to hold on to something that's not really yours, but God's allowing it. So that that ultra comfortability that whether they went through the motions of making the Birch or not, it, it, yeah. it, 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 didn't, it, it didn't really qualify as still understanding how the Torah is really God's gift, and the Torah is really something that from beyond. Um, anyway, I don't know if you've heard this interpretation I mean, or not. Um, no, no, I haven't. Um, you know what? I'll just I'll just say something else from the B'shem Sat Maruf because because uh, this is this this is one thing that I heard, and it's it's very sweet. Whether you know. Um, and he he once asked, "How is it that with all the tzaddikim that have that have prayed for two thousand years, how is it that nobody has succeeded in bringing Mashiach?" I mean, really, really, how how impossible can it be? You get a bunch of tzaddikim together, let them dive, and Mashiach doesn't come. You know, ten years, twenty years, a thousand years, two thousand years, no Mashiach. You know, so he says it because there's a catch twenty two. I mean, he didn't say catch twenty two. You know. But uh, I, but that's what it, that's what he's describing. It's that it's that in order to in order to pray for in order to pray for Mashiach, you have to pray for Golos Shechina, and no tzaddik can really pray wholeheartedly for Golos Shechina because the tzaris of Am Yisrael keep getting in the way. So the, you know the, the the tzaddik cannot focus purely on the you know on on the Shechina's problem or the Shechina's distress. Without mixing in feelings of sympathy and empathy too much of a, caring about too, too much know. of a caring, feeling human being for Am Yisrael, and uh, you know, yeah, and and therefore you're kind of stuck. So now, I know how the Satmarbi said this. He said that there tzachus, you know, as tzachus being a kind of a kind of drusher, which uh, which has certain. It's not necessarily meant to be entirely true. It's it's meant to be more. That's but reflective of an incredible poetic. Thing. It's more. It's more poetic. Sometimes it's humorous. You know, tzachos. It's. I know. It, this one I think. But this one I think is sort of the 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 reverse of the most, or through the other aspect of the maral, which is that, is that um, you know, we are human beings, and and how can you expect me to be worried about the shechina when I care so much about Klal Yisrael and, and its people, and they are and they are suffering. I think the same thing really happens. Look, the great people in Tyra Nelson are those that do make it Tyra delay, right? And um, you can imagine that, uh, you know, uh, I, I, don't, I, I sort of got this feeling, as great as the Ragachover was, that he wasn't like taking every second to say Berchas HaTayra, like with incredible Kabbalah. Like I see Rebbe's doing Sfiris Ayumer. I've seen Rebbe's making Berchas HaTayra. It takes about 10 minutes before they get to the number. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. Um, yes, of course. Yes, but that—that's sort of like the ultimate. Like I am approaching, you know, the I'm the Koyin Goldo approaching the, the Kataris and 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 Borigatu. Like I, I can't see the Ragachover um, spending that long on his Birchas Hatayra. 
You know what I'm saying? To him, okay, I'm up, I'm learning. Okay, oh, girls up there, okay, I'm up. Okay, I got to say it. Okay, now let's get a little bit ready. Let's, let's do it. This is me. Again, I, again, this is, this is my breath. This is my, and I think that that's, again, to me, that that generates Corbin, I think is a big lesson as well, because that ultimately does lead to, you know, yeah. lack of year hubris. Um, I started asking you about, because based on your, your comments to me before we started recording about Purim. So why don't we talk a little bit about Purim as we... Uh, yeah, so there's, there's something that I wanted to point out. It, it's, well, you look at it at first, it's not precise. But you have you have two holidays in the winter time, or you know winter and spring, which is Hanukkah and Purim, which are very closely related. Purim is is um, explicitly an Indian of Hester Panim, that whole that issue. It's how you know how to deal with Hester Panim, and um, it's Hester Panim in which you know Am Yisrael are, are confronting non-existence itself because it's a you know it's a real Holocaust about to hit them. And and it's you know they're looking they're looking at non-existence directly, it's, you know it's right in it's right in front of them, and and you know Hester Panim you know that's that's about as big as it gets with Hester Panim, um, and then you also have Hanukkah. Now Hanukkah is a little bit less explicitly about Hester Panim, but it is also because. Because look, it's the darkest day of the year, and on the darkest day of the year, we got these little, little tiny candles, which are really completely ineffective. In, you know, I mean, you have to bring them outside of your house. Tefach hasamoch lepetach, you know, to the to a handbreadth outside of your front door, and lower down than lower down than ten tefachim, you know, and you do this, and you do this in the darkest, in the deepest, darkest point of winter, right? So. You know the the interplay of of tiny little lights in opposition to the massive massive darkness, okay, seems to be the basic theme of of, uh, of Hanukkah, which has something to do at least with the incredible odds that uh, that the Hashmonaim faced against the against the uh, um, against the Seleucid Greeks. All right, so that also plays into a, a concept of of Hester Panim, certain certainly to some extent, and you know there's this famous uh, famous Gemara. Who I hope you remember the name of the Amira because I have forgotten it. I had it I had it ready. Um, he's he's the one that like um, or the actually the, it looks like the Gemara is juxtaposing his his mimer to the statement of uh, I believe uh, Rava that Ner uh, Hanukkah you should put it uh, below tent fochim. Rav Tan Chumbar Chaniloi. Right, and and he and he jumps into vahabar reik in boimayim avon nechoshim vakrabim hoya yeshboy. So so bar reik in boimayim to me sounds like a situation of Hester Punim. and in fact Hester Punim breeds scorpions and snakes. It's it's poisonous to us if we if we look at it because it robs us of our meaning and it robs us of our hope and and you know it's it's. Um, you know, you're looking at Hester Punim in the in in the eye, or you're looking directly at the the, the darkness of it. Okay, it says, you know, none of our lives mean anything. We're just we're just well, in, other words, Yosef, in other words, Yosef, uh, who representing Al yeah. in some way, is is dunked into a a, a matzav of Hester Punim for um, right now. Now years. I think. 
Right. Well, I actually, I think, I think it's important. I think it's important to differentiate between that because, because, you know, when Yosef goes down to Mitzrayim, I don't think that's Hester upon him. I think that Yosef knows from his nevuah, okay, that he's going down there. He's going down there for a reason. You know, something's going to happen. He, he's, he's. I don't think that he's losing hope when he goes down there. Okay, but the several hours presumably that he spends in the pit waiting to die okay that's that's the hester punim experience now the hester punim experience historically doesn't really belong there okay because that period of avais through golus mitzrayim through yitzia mitzrayim through bias rishon is is either a period in time in which suffering is for a meaningful purpose and therefore I can deal with it, or suffering is and klala, and therefore I can learn from it. Okay. But the real the real issue of Hesterpunim begins to become manifest at the at the end of or, or not so much at the end of Bayas Rishon so much as it, at the beginning of Bayas Shani. That's where Hesterpunim begins to begins to emerge as a theme. Okay, so we have so we have two holidays that have some relatedness to to Hester Punim, that's Hanukkah and Purim, and in those holidays the Hester Punim turns out okay somehow. Out of the Hester Punim comes Binyan Beis Hamikdash. Well, for, first of all, out of the Hester Punim comes our continued existence in, instead of our non-existence. Okay, which is the most important thing really, and on a secondary level, Beis Hamikdash comes out of there too. Because as you know, according to Chazal, the the 20-year uh, period during base during which base Amigdash was was stopped, you know, they stopped construction on it, right? So that happens during the during the Gzairis of Haman and and then and the story of, of Purim. So out of Purim comes the Chazal continue. say that Esther gives birth to Daryovish. Daryovish, who, Daryovish right, who proceeds then to go and and right get the base and continue. Sure. Right, gives the gives the permission for the base of Migdash to be to be built. Um, you know, Ein Hachinami by 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 um, by the Chashmonoim. The whole the, the whole thing is about the base of Migdash. It's Hanukkah. Hanukkah is Hanukkah. I mean, aside from Hanukkah Fei and 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 Neiris, you know, but it's also Hanukkah Samizbeach and Hanukkah is the base of Migdash after after the uh, after the uh, desecration of uh, of the Yevonim, right? So we have a situation in which out of the, you know, out of the emptiness of Hester Panim, we are gifted with the Beis Amigdash again. Right? But a Beis Amigdash, Amigdash that I would, you know, as we know, that was missing the, <clears throat> the five aspects of his Kalos Hashchina, and even... Right, including, including Noah and Kaidish either. I mean, you know, the, the Arana Bris wasn't there either. Sure. And you, it was and, probably the and, biggest... And can you imagine, I mean, taking the numbers that the Gemara Nyoma says about the amount of Kohanim Gedolim that were, that, that, that bought the uh, position and that died, uh, you know, soon after Yom Kippur. I mean, when we talk about Hester Panim being, you don't, you don't have the Asar and Nisim Gluyim that you would have, um, that the Mishnah Avos talks about, but you also have just a decrepit situation where, the place that's supposed to represent God in the world has so many is shot with so many holes and inconsistencies, right? You have the growing goggles. And I, I would say you know, that is 
technically you have a bias, but like you say, there is no Oren, there is no Shechina, there is no Kohen. The Oren Vatumim that he's wearing is just you know, a, a, you know, a, a toy, in a sense, compared to the one that really worked in the time of Bayez Rishon, although it's one, of the Kalim, it's one of the Kalim that was, was needed. So, and yet, it was still this period of, I mean, you could say the and whole... And yet, the, the, the Tzaymis, Tzayma, you know, Tzayma, ah, what's it, Tzayma Reviv, Tzayma Hamishi, Tzayma Shaviv, Tzayma Asiri, there you may mish to v'simcha in Bayez Shani, for the entire existence of Bayez Shani. So, so, so it's quite interesting. On the one hand, you have like this this unusual gift that comes to us directly from the directly from the the occlusion of the divine countenance. Right? It comes it comes straight out of the darkness to us through some amazing kind of um, some kind of amazing um, tshuva that is done, or 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 some perspective that is gained on that on that darkness, or some sort of insight into the to the hidden presence of God that is even in present in the absence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right? And out of that Hisbainus, out of that contemplation comes the gift of the Beis HaMikdash HaSheni, um, which still nevertheless remains, I, I don't know, wouldn't want to say the word tainted, but that's basically what comes up. It, it's, it still continues to have a a um, a a it still continues to have a relationship to Hester Panim. Now, whether it was always supposed to be like that, because once again, you know, if you if you go back to Yimei Bayes Rishon and the Nevi'im that were that were speaking there, then they had a tendency to describe Golos Bavel as a momentary lapse of connection between Hakadosh Baruch Hu and Yisrael. Everything's going to come back. It's going to be better than ever, right? Um, and most of the Navi, the Navim are pretty are pretty clear on this, but then something happens, and Hester Pana makes a re, makes a resurgence sometime during that Golus Bavel. You can you know you can you can have, do a lot of theory as to as to why that might have taken place, but instead of instead of Golus Bavel fitting into the fitting into the scheme of of reward and punishment, right, um, and ending with a triumphant return and a and a and a and a, and a reestablishment of of the uh, and basically, okay. The the um, the Hester Punim sneaks in, and everything changes, and the nature of bias Shani changes, and it's not going to be what it was essentially supposed to be. I think the Malbim makes this case very well in his parish on Sefer Chagai. Um, That's where that, to look. That, that I mean, it, you can you can almost you know you well Chagai is you can you can see that developing, you know because because when you know when does Chagai get get all like Chagai's last nevuah, where he basically says from here on in it's all Hester Punim. You know, you, there's no more. Don't look for any, you know, Yom Hashem that's gonna, you know, that's gonna set you free or anything. The thing to look for is two Talmidei Chachamim have talked to each other. Hashem is listening. Whatever they're talking about is being written up in a book in the sky. Okay, the whole the whole idea of Sharonayish is really moved from from a from a uh, tangible manifestation in this world to a to a to a spiritual to a spiritual level. 
And then, you know, and then he, and he ends with, uh, you know, you know, keep the mitzvahs, remember Moshe Rabbeinu, and I'm going to send Eliyahu Anovi at some point, and, and, uh, and we're going to hit, and what happens after that, he doesn't really even go into. I mean, we we assume, or Chazal assumed, that that Eliyahu Anavi is there to be, is to is to you know tell these the uh, future you know third third base of Migdash and all that. But it's not uh, you know it's not implicit in the text. As a matter of fact, that text actually ends on a rather rather low note. Um, and, and and would seem again the Gemara does in Yoma and other places indicates with Rosh Lakish's um, anger at the Bnei Bavel he feels that that it was right Bnei Bavel or if 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 they'd have come they got permission to go they didn't go right if they so, would yeah. have actually they could have pushed even though the signs of Hester Ponim seemed to be there in terms of how weak we were Korish needed to allow everything everything needed to go through the hoops of Persian. Um, uh, you know the, the Persian system of of, of of officialdom, which clearly is not the way you expect the Melech Mashiach to happen. But as Rosh Lakish says in the Gemara Yom, if you guys would have come, Omani Choma, we could have we could have pushed through the the veneer of the Hestroponim, and it would have been the Amei uh, the Mashiach. Um, and uh, you know this is, I think, you know. I, you know, I just want to sort of like put this, you know, in perspective. And so, and so it is what it is. You know, I want to put this in perspective uh, about the Hester Punim that both you and I are sort of um, still living with, although it was our parents who lived through it and were able to survive and sire us, and father us, and somehow tend to us, you know, the, the, the Hester Punim of, of the 20th century. Where you know the Xera against Klal Yisrael was not just a, a Xera of a Haman that was foiled at the last second, but a Xera that actually was carried out. And although it wasn't all the Bnei Yisrael, that number is mm, so yeah. that number is still so shocking and incredible. You know, whatever you want to say in Rwanda or the Armenian Holocaust, considering and those are all terrible things which we need to condemn and cry over. The, the the sheer number, whether it's six or maybe even seven million of a, of a of a body that was only I think around twelve million or whatever it was, represents you know the most incredible destruction of you know of thriving people that has ever happened in, in the history of mankind. And Hester Putnam, if you read the uh, Piasetsner's incredible sefer, um, the sefer not only Eish but even if you read Derech Hamelach. Which are which are the drushes, as Etzner said. Um, that was Hester Putnam to the to to the ultimate, right? And um, yeah, and and I I I've not I've not recovered, by the way. I mean, you know, to to some extent, I mean, I I myself am very much a, a study in in contradictions on on this point. Um, I don't know, I might have mentioned many times I had a I had a terrible episode when I was living in America about you know two years ago where I suddenly fell into a total pit of anxiety and I could barely function. And it, it took about four months for me to get out of it. And and they at the VA they tried to give me some pills and the pills backfired and I had a paradoxical um I had a paradoxical re- reaction to the pills. And anyway, listen, I was it was it was as close as I could ever imagine to being in Gehenna for four months 
you know, and it, it took me time to pull out of it eventually. I did. I learned, I learned a lot of things by going through it, by the way, but it was absolute agony at the, at the time. And it was, there was nothing physically wrong with me either. You know, it was just emotional pain that I, that I could not, I couldn't control. Um, but, you know, I realized among other things that the, the thing that triggered it was some, was some rabbi that came to, came to our town and was, and was doing all these, you know, drashot. He was, he was doing all these drashot about, about the Holocaust, but he, that there are miracles in the Holocaust, you know, and I think, yeah, you know, you know, sure. One person walks out of a, you know, one person survives out of a community of 60,000 people and oh, yeah, it's a miracle. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear. I, li I like that. When, and when, and when you think about the, the Siddisha kids in Varsha being slaughtered, being pushed into cattle cars, gassed, tortured, killed, you can, you have to say that, you know, this is Esther Bunim, you know, to the end. Yeah. So, so I got, I, you know, I was very frustrated. I got very angry and I, you know, and, but I, I didn't confront him. I just, I just went home and, you know, but the, the seed of the thoughts had been, had been planted. And it, I realized that, you know, for me, the Holocaust is still a very, very living topic. Now I was, I was born 15 years, like, like you, you know, born 15 years after it ended, you know, and, and my father who, you know, he, well, my father talked about it, you know, but he didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't keep any secrets, you know, but my father seemed to be built a much more resilient stuff than, than me, you know. Um, so on the one hand, I, I'll be honest, I don't trust Hakadosh Baruch Hu. I just don't trust him. I can't trust him. You know, I can't trust an infinite being who, whose mind is, is, is completely transcends mine. And, and, you know, for him, uh, you know, for him, is a, is a good answer. I mean, I don't, I don't begrudge him the answer. You know, I think it's, it's probably true, but what does that have to do with me? I'm just a human being, you know, trying to live my life. On the other hand, and this is, this is where it gets contradictory, is that since in preparing for this talk, you know, I'm, I'm looking back over my life and I saying, what kind of life have I had? Have I had a life of, of Hester Punim or Gilui Punim? My life has been a picnic, Lee Hara. You know, I mean, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has walked with me hand in hand, step by step. It is, it is a wonderful, wonderful life that I lead. I'm not frustrated. I'm not angry. I mean, you know, it's a little, a little bit of frustrations here or there. Life wouldn't be interesting without them. I've had challenges, you know, but I really, really feel that, that, uh, that all of my skepticism and pessimism is completely unfounded in reality. Yeah, well, I guess as you say. Okay, so so that's the, that's the big irony of my life. You know, if I, if I if I look at my life, I have absolutely no reason not that you know I have no reason to have anything less than complete emun and bitachon. Well, you know? I, I, you know, I think that's part of the um, what happens when you know you you look into clearly a, a tkuf of Hester upon it. Um, and you either realize, as we were trying to say, that it is the, and these are ideas you've said in the previous weeks, Hester Panim leads you to the Ramban's um, understanding of the constant recreation and the miracles of Teva. You know, it definitely is a, it, it, it aligns with it. I think what it also did, specifically the Holocaust, I think, um, and you know, this is always going to this is going to be an issue for I think a while. 
is the Hakomas Medina Sisro on the heels within three years of the end of the Holocaust. And I think there were many who felt that we must see this, these events as the shattering or the, the, the shards of the shards of, of light within the Hestroponim, that it can't just be that God submits us to this um, systematic destruction, total destruction. It must be that this is the Hestroponim and the, the dark before the great dawn. And I think this is what caused people like Rav Teichtel and others to grab onto the founding of the Medina as, as, as messianic and as the or from the Hester. And otherwise, if one didn't say that, then you know, what do you say about this just, the, you know, the furnaces of, of Auschwitz and Treblinka and, and, and Madenek? What are, what are you going to say about that? If it isn't meant to, to be Maksha de Karka for the Pamonia Gula, where the Hester Panem is, if it's not lifting, it's allowing the shards of light to penetrate. What else could it be? Otherwise, is, is, is it just a continuation of this, this damning and frustrating and uh, uh, unable to pierce Hester Panem? I think that's part of why there were so many who, who saw the Hakamas Hamadina, despite the non-religious who were, in a way, crafting the, the articles, but as the Yad Hashem, right? Yeah. Although, you know, once again over here, you know, it's it's the funny thing with Hester Punim is that is that, you know, I can't I can't comprehend the Holocaust. I don't necessarily pretend to comprehend Medina, you know, uh, Israel. Um, I do appreciate it. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not an anti-Zionist by any by any stretch of the imagination. I'm, you know, I I am very, very thankful for 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 the Medina. I think it's I think it's a great thing. You know, I don't pretend to be able to grasp in my mind some sort of structure that connects, you know, or that justifies, or that somehow, you know, looks at the looks at the the Shoah, looks at the Holocaust as being a necessary step in the process of Gula, because that kind of narrative um, structure is not consistent with Hester Ponim, let's just say. Hester Ponim is the, is, the, is the acid that eats all that apart, you know, and the only thing that you're left with, in my mind, really, is, is this kind of emuna pshuta. You know, I, I, still be, I, still, I still believe, I, you know, I'm still, I'm still committed to him, I'm still committed to Tyra, I don't really know why, you know. Well, don't, um, don't you think, Nelson, that same way Rishlokish you know, carried so much um, anger and antipathy towards those who refused to push the boundaries, even though it was a group of Hester Ponim. Um, he understood that there was divrei nevua that could have been fulfilled, just like you know, nevua has this, just like we know in, in, in Mitzrayim, the nevua could be one way or right. mean something else. The Nabua could have been fulfilled in Bayashani. That's part of what Rosh Lokish was upset about. I, I think there, there are many who, who believe that um, our, the hesitancy of, of so many to, to move Derek's Israel, to promote the ness of 
Hakomas Hamadina, so to speak, and the ness of, of, of the restoration of Klal Yisrael after this incredible Hurban. The fact that we didn't have so many doing it might have itself been the reason why it was, it was denied us. The reason why it didn't turn into uh, Tiras Kesef, it didn't turn into something that was, uh, it couldn't be rotted away, but something that would be lasting like was the fact that so many people did not jump in and did not. I, I mean, I think functionally, I don't have to, let's, let's just say, do I have to say why? Do I have to explain to myself why? I mean, I can certainly say like any, I think like any reasonable person, halavai that with the, you know, with the, with the promulgation of the Balfour Declaration, every Yid in Europe, you know, had picked up and, and, and come to Eretz Yisrael with their resources and their money and their, and their know-how. Okay, because that was that really turned out to be a very a shas and a very a, a kind of a really small window of opportunity, and it was not it was not utilized. Okay, and that has to do with a lot of you know with a lot of things of, uh, in human nature. You know, I'm comfortable here where I am. It's risky and scary to go over there. You know, and then you have and then you have even um, you know B'nai and G'dayli Eilam who are who are counseling against it because uh, you know. Okay, but but, um, but but there's also because it's not, because it's not worth the it's not worth the risk to our ruchni. Yes, okay, so yeah, I I can I'll just you know what my family, despite the fact that my you know my my uh, my grandfather grew up in Satmar, my father was born in Satmar, but they were actually a curious mix of of Hungarian Hasidim and and Tzionim. Because my grandfather, after the Balfour Declaration, really tried to move to Eretz Yisrael. Or maybe my great-great-grandfather, I'm not sure which, you know. But um, there's even a little story that goes along with that. My, let's say my grandfather. My grandfather had a deal with a certain, with a certain baron over there in Hungary uh, who had large tracts of forest. And every time there was a storm, you know, trees would be blown over. So the, the wood was valuable. And he had, you know, my grandfather had um, had the, the rights to come in there and, and harvest the fallen dead wood, okay? Which is good for the forest, good for the pocketbook, good for the yid, good for the baron. Every, you know, everybody, everybody's, everybody's happy. So my grandfather had the idea that he would import wood to Eretz Yisrael, where there's very little of it, and he, that he could make nice money. He could just run, you know, he could just run ships between, you know, between uh, between Hungary, however you get there, and and uh, and Eretz Yisrael, and make a nice living for himself. So that was the first stage. You know, the first stage was he brought his first shipment of wood over to Haifa, and he had the wood put into um, put into warehouses. Okay, and had it worked, then the rest of the family would have come. Um, amazingly enough, he he arrived just when the first Arab. Uh, riots broke out and all of the wood went up in smoke. So that was the end of, you know, that was the end of that. But my father also had aspirations coming to Eretz Yisrael. I still remember as a child when I was six years old, they had a passport prepared for us to, for us to move to Eretz Yisrael and we were supposed to go by ship. Okay, so like, you know, 1965 or something or something like that. And um, the reason the reason why my father didn't do it in the end was because he realized when you know he was talking to people from the Jewish agency and he realized that uh, Medinat Israel was a socialist 
government in a socialist country. And my father was an entrepreneur by, you know, by nature, and he was not willing to work for the, you know, for any sort of labor union or anything like that. He wanted to be his own boss and hire people and give them a parnasa. Well, if you want to hire people, give them a parnasa, you're an evil capitalist, uh, you know, so we don't need you here. And that's why that broke down. So my father did not move to Eretz Israel with us. He got permission from the Satmar Rebbe to go, by the way. <laughs> interesting, interesting point. Um, and uh, yours truly, okay, you know, I come, I come from, I come from good, shar- from good Shrashim in that regard. Yeah, I, look, I understand Baruch Hashem, you're Zoha to, to, to live there now. I think that um, although, you know, I think my point is, is probably has been echoed by others that had more of the, the important people of Claudius Yisrael been behind what seemed to have been this Ha'ara after the Hester. We might've been able to, to work through the Hester upon him towards the Gula, the way it seems to be plotted out. And I just wanna end with this point again about, and I've, I've mentioned this on other platforms, the, what occurred in the Six Day War, that there were, you know, there were, uh, you know, acts and, and, and situations that seemed to defy normal, you know, logic mm-hmm. or normal, uh, you know, uh, normal ways of discussing coincidences and other things like that. There were, you know, the the, the incredible, um, the the incredible. Uh, you know, small number of casualties on the Israeli side, and the way the intelligence oper- you know, came to us in terms of the exact moment to, to you know, basically eliminate the Egyptian air force, and you know, the the Jordanians in terms of the way they tried to defend uh, Yerushalayim, you know, so pitifully that gave us the Kotel and, and everything. I think all of those things. Um, uh, the, the odds itself, just seven against one or whatever they were, um, all of that, as I heard from our gifter, was clearly a horror from God. And it's as close as, close as we're going to get to a Nesgolu, for those of us who, right. who uh, and, remember. And, and, and this, should have, this should have been, you know, and, and he says even further that there was what was springing forth and was, you know, bursting really within the minds of even the great secularists was you know, a hand of God that this is something. And he felt that had the religious community embraced it and, and, and put their hands over towards them, it's clear to him that would have been the, the beginning of Yemai Samashiach. And he said, we dropped the ball on this. We missed it. And so, so, so I guess, you know, obviously, you know, as we, as we move within weeks of, of Tisha B'Av and, and, and the Horban, and we continue this Avoida of Hester Panem, I think that, like you say, I think it's important for us to understand the Avoida of Hester Panem leading to the Geulis and the Hatzalas that we have from Hanukkah and Purim, but also even beyond that into the, the period that, that uh, from the Moisam- Transformation of the Saimais into Chagim. Yes, which, and, and, and I guess it's, you know, it's, for those of us who still remember, you know, 67, or at least lived within the shadow of it, I think that, uh, you know, Rukhifter's words are, you know, they are, 
they are very difficult to to keep on living with. That was this our chance? Was this it? Um, um, and uh, you know, according to the Rambam, you don't believe that you're missing the uh, you're missing yeah. that you're missing that thirteenth thing. So I no. so so let's... people people are limited by you know by their perceptions or by by their expectations. You know, everybody's expecting I don't know, Mashiach on a white donkey with clouds of glory and 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 who knows what you know like shuls, all the shuls and bar parks suddenly lifting up into the air and flying to uh, flying to Eretz leaving big gaps. And... <laughs> Uh, again, I, I think here we you need know, to. I think I think here we need to rely on someone I mentioned earlier, which is of course the Maral, who was took many many of these Divrei Chazal, and although he felt he needed to defend the 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 accuracy of Chazal often against Azariah, um, the Medumim, the Morinaim, many other Divrei Chazal, he was able to explain um, as metaphorically and an allegory. And I think, you know, the idea of, of all the houses, you know, picking themselves up and flying, um, I, I think both of us will say it will probably not happen, yeah. right? However, well, the, the idea that, that we are able to transport, you know, in some C-59 transport plane, 400 people, right, including all the Sifretair and the Shul, that's pretty much tantamount. That's pretty amazing, yeah. That's pretty tantamount to a base Haknesis you know, I mean, that's you know, that's a that's a miracle that Chazal could never have conceived of. I mean, you know, you, you think of it. You know, we, I today live a better life than Caesar Augustus in my in my you know in my apartment with my with my with my plumbing. regular old bathroom and my plumbing and my shower. You know, you know, we 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 live on a level that that Kadmonim could not imagine. You know, and so what we also fail to appreciate sometimes what we have and and. And I, I think that one of our one of our weaknesses is that we keep on looking for miracles. You know, we keep on looking for these, you know, big I don't know miracles that, you know, But you know, you can you can you can have niflois which are which are bigger than yitzias mitzrayim, but you don't notice them because you don't know what a what a pella looks like, you know. Yeah, and and, especially um, as it's yeah yeah, especially as as it's as it has. Uh, accrued over, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years from the discovery of various engines and pistons and 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 the things that made flight, human flight, mm -hmm. possible. And that's you know that's part of what, not to be lost in the moment, but and, and to be able to see that. All right, Nelson. Well, I think we I think we uh, have a little bit of a hopeful note as we move in towards yes, the next time we speak. Point. I think we'll be within the nine days proper. So mm -hmm. take, take care, my friend. Stay cool and uh, well. stay cool on both levels. Keep keeping keeping a cool guy that I... There's an amazing miracle here. I have a little button that I press and, and cool air comes out of the wall. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I agree. Okay. okay, free on, my friend. Free on. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.